God is good. And all the time. It's good to see you. It's good to be together. It's good to share in this service to see some new faces and see some familiar faces too. Uh, if you're a guest, we especially welcome you here today as we share and hope each of you will register your attendance with us in our time together. It's a glorious day we can come together, a glorious day we can share in confirmation and communion and praise God together. And for those online, uh, I'm glad we can still be connected. And so I hope you'll continue to stay connected in that way. Let us pray. Gracious and holy, almighty, amazing, incredible God, we thank you for your love and grace in which you bestow upon us. We thank you for those who've gone before us to show us what that grace looks like. And Lord, for those who are with us, who pour out your love through their life, through their hearts, through their examples. Lord, it's a great day to be together and to share. And we don't have to all be in the same place to be together because it's your spirits that brings us together. So, Lord, join our spirits together this hour of worship. Set me aside. Set my voice aside. May you speak. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Your servants are listening. In your name we pray. Amen. A few weeks ago, Susan's nephew invited me to officiate at his upcoming wedding. I was excited and honored to be asked and, and agreed under one condition. Premarital counseling. It's a must for me, and for 25 years in ministry, I won't share or do or perform a wedding without it. It's come to be crucial, I think, in the preparation for a life together. I remind a bride and a groom as they come that what I'm sharing with each of them is not about this one day and ceremony, but it's about a lifetime. It's a lifetime of living together, and what are perhaps some tools, what are perhaps some topics in which we can discuss that can better prepare them in this journey together. All of this is done. All of this preparation is done so that one day the bride and groom can stand together and say to each other, I do, and know what they are saying to each other in front of witnesses and in front of God. In today's worship, some youth might come forward to confirm their faith. We have talked about these for several months together there's questions that i'll ask them and and you see those questions on your inserts in your worship guide or online if you have access to that these aren't just simple questions these are deep questions that we discuss together and i've met individually with them to go over them because what i want them to understand is when they say i do I want them to know what they are saying, I do too. When they say, I will, I want them to understand what they are saying, I will too. That's why we spend this time preparing for confirmation. We spend a lot of time preparing for big events in our life. We spend time preparing for school, right, especially now. We spend time preparing for job. We spend time preparing for retirement. But rarely do we take that time, that effort, that energy to prepare for our lives spiritually. That begins with commitment. In today's scripture lesson, we explore not a marriage relationship, but a love relationship between a mother and her daughter-in-law. Ruth's commitment to Naomi is a model, a model for any committed relationship, even our relationship with God, that one day we can faithfully say, I do, to God and carry it out. 
So join me if you're present in the Bibles you bought or perhaps a phone in which you can see. For those online, please turn to your Bibles. I know you got them with you or your phones too. Look at the scripture, not everything else going on. And let us turn to Ruth chapter 1 together. In the Old Testament, a couple of uh, after the, the manger books. Ruth chapter 1 verse 1. Let us explore God's word together this morning. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem and Judah went to live in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem and Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. When they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Chilion also died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she started to return with her daughters-in-law from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had considered his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she had been living, she and her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to go back to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grants that you may find security, each of you, in the house of your husband. Then she kissed them, and she wept aloud. They said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return back, my daughters. Will you? Why will you go with me? Do I still have sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. Even if I thought there was hope for me, even if I should have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you then wait until they were grown? Would you then refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, it has been far more bitter for me than for you, because the hand of the Lord has turned against me. Then they wept aloud again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not press me to leave you, or to turn back from following you. And hear the words that maybe you know. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me and more as well, if even death parts me from you. When Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And in verse 22, we see they came at the beginning of the barley harvest. This is the word of God for us, the children of God. Thanks be to God. Once upon a time, there was an island. And on this island lived all the emotions. Love, knowledge, happiness, sadness, and so many other emotions. 
But a storm was coming, and it was predicted that the island was going to sink, and so all these emotions had to prepare their boats to leave the island. But they wanted to stay to the last minute, especially love. So as the island began to sink and the boats began to take off, love did not have a ride, and so love saw riches. Riches that was driving along in its boat, and love called out, May I join you, Riches? And Riches says, No, I'm sorry. I've got too much gold and silver, and there's no room for you. Well, behind Riches was Vanity, and Vanity had the most beautiful vessel or boat that you've ever seen, and Love thought that she could catch a ride with Vanity. But Vanity said, Nope, you're wet and you're dirty, and you can't come upon my boat. Well, then was Sadness. Love thought for sure that could join sadness along the way, and love called out to sadness, but sadness said, I'm too sad, I need to be by myself, and continued to sail. And then love heard happiness. You couldn't help but hear happiness in the boats that was riding along, but as love called out to happiness, happiness never heard love and continued to sail. Well, there was another elder emotion that came along and saw that love was in desperate need and invited love to join their vessel and to sail to dry land. They reached dry land and love got off and realized that had never asked who it was that had taken her on to dry land. So love found knowledge and knowledge came up to love and shared with love that it was time. But why did time happen? Help me, love asked. And knowledge and all its deep wisdom answered, because only time is capable of understanding how great love is. What is this time that you have spent differently over these past four months been like for you? How have you seen love? Where have you seen love? What has been your experience of love? Man, how things have changed. How things are different and will continue to be different from here on out. What's love got to do with it? A lot of things have changed for Naomi, but one thing remained unchanged. The love that Ruth had for her mother-in-law and the commitments by which she carried it out. Ruth's a fantastic book in the Old Testament. A short book, an easy book to understand in the sense that the story, we enjoy the story that's behind it. But what about the message? This book is written in a time of famine, a time that the judges are ruling in Israel. It's a time of immorality and war and idolatry. There's a family of four, Naomi and her family, that leave Judah and go to Moab. You heard this story as they get there and Elimelech, Naomi's husband, dies and her two sons marry and then the two sons die. The famine's ended and Naomi decides to return home. Orpah begins to return to Moab, but Ruth Ruth cannot be dissuaded and chooses to return with Naomi. And they arrive in Bethlehem at the barley harvest. Ruth leaves her homeland of Moab to live with her Jewish mother-in-law in the land of Israel. God honors her commitment. All because Ruth is willing to make a choice. 
to go wherever Naomi goes, to live wherever Naomi lived, to make the people of Naomi her people, to make the God of Naomi her God, to die and be buried where Naomi is buried, to let nothing but death come between them. Ruth's commitment to Naomi has become a model, a model for all relationships today. And the outcome of these relationships are determined by the commitment we place in them and the choices that we make, whether they're selfish choices or choices for the sake of others by which we carry it out. Naomi was bitter. She had left her land. She had lost her husband. She had lost her two sons. She had no grandchildren. Her life was all used up. Or at least that's what Naomi thought. Ruth gave her hope. Ruth transformed her experience from bitter to better. How? By love. And she proved it by her commitments. Naomi may have been devastated, but she was not destitute. Naomi may have been alone, but she was not lonely. She may have been angry, but she was not abandoned. Ruth had become a light in the darkness, an anchor in the storm, a guide in a confusing world. Naomi was never left by herself. Ruth had become her most valuable asset. Do you have somebody in your life who you can say that about, especially over these last months? Is there somebody who can say that about you? When your world is shaken or tragedy strikes or a pandemic happens, hope stays alive when there's that person or persons who reach out, who love us, who are kind to us, who seek to meet us where we are. We know God loves us, right? We declare it. We sing it. But man, it sure is nice when a person reflects God's presence to us. I talked to a church member this week. It's Ruth Brigeau. Her birthday, 94. She told me. I told her I wasn't going to ask. She said, I want you to know. She was so excited about her birthday and the cards and the calls that she had received from the community. But what she was really touched by was was all of the contacts that you had made to her over these past months. She felt part of the family. She felt connected. She felt remembered and recognized. Who is it? Who is it that comes to our mind that perhaps we can reach out and say hello and remind them that they're being thought of to share the love of the community with them? Let's do that. Naomi pleaded at least four times for Ruth to go her own way. But Ruth did not, did not budge. Naomi did not seem real excited that Ruth was coming with her. But Ruth's love for Naomi touched and transformed her mother-in-law. How often do we hesitate when somebody reaches out to help us? How often is it sometimes uncomfortable that somebody wants to offer an act of kindness and we say, no, no. Perhaps, perhaps that's God reaching out. Misfortune, tragedy, disaster, disease often strike when we least expect it. It rocks our world. It 
confuses us, it upsets us, it wears us down, we get tired, we get frustrated, and we look for someone to blame. God doesn't send evil, but he redeems it. He overturns it with hope, faith, love, and he uses people to do it. Some of whom we least might expect, some of whom we might not even want their help. The world's a bitter place without God, without faith and hope, without grace and mercy, and without love. Love for one another and the respect that comes with it. Ruth made a choice. Ruth made a commitment to leave her family in false religion and say, I do, to Naomi's family and Naomi's God. God said, I do, when he chose us and made us. God, through Christ, said, I do, when he died on the cross for us. Why? Because that's how much he loves us. And he carried that commitment out to the end. A man and his fiancée were at a town hall applying for their marriage license and they filled out all the papers, they signed it, they paid their fee, and then the clerk handed him the license and said, this license is good for 30 days. The groom-to-be looked at the clerk and said, what do you mean 30 days? I want the one that's for death us to part. God's already said I do. And Jesus every day says it too when we seek to live with him. So in this time that we're faced with unforeseen and unimaginable circumstances, will our answer be I do to faithful living? Or will we walk around bitter because of the circumstances we found ourselves in, even if somebody else has caused them? All God asks is for us to hold on to the commitment we made together. And to say, I do in return. And he'll take care of the rest. God's commitment to us as communicated at our baptism has not changed. The commitments that perhaps the confirmations make today is a step in their own faith journey in which they claim for themselves what perhaps their parents claimed a long time ago. God honors Ruth's commitment in today's scripture. We discover it in the next chapters, and I hope you'll read ahead. God will honor your commitments. But will you? Will you? Let us discover these commitments as we seek to practice them every day in our faithful living and honor these commitments and how we live them out with each other, and with God. And may we do it in love. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity we have to share in our commitments and in the community together. Forgive us, Lord, for it's so hard to carry them out, and we get distracted, and we get disgusted. And Lord, we need to right the path, and so we can't do it without you. So humble us if that's what we need, Lord. Restore us, redeem us, 
Lord, show us. Help us. Thank you for those who show us the way. Thank you for those who've shown us the way. And thank you, Lord, for those who walk with us, that on this faith journey and the commitments we make, we know we don't make that journey alone. Amen.